0: This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit CanDoWealth.com for more information.
1: Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and I'm joined by Fraser Nelson and James Forsyth. Well... Surprise, surprise, we're not getting a U-turn this afternoon, which breaks the habit of, uh, well, a month that we've had uh, Liz Truss as Prime Minister. Kwasi Kwarteng has also insisted that he's not going anywhere as Chancellor. Who knows how long before that U-turn? Fraser, what has the government not U-turned on and
2: Why? Well, it's widely expected to water down the budget. In other words, I think Liz Truss has gone through various stages of her leadership very, very quickly. She's um, only three weeks ago. She had not yet delivered her budget. So that was at the stage of boldness, even hubris, in not telling the rest of her cabinet what she would do and announcing the tax cuts. Of course, the reason other Tories haven't announced tax cuts is they haven't worked out how they would pay for them. But what Liz Truss was bold enough to do was to say, you know what? Uh, It doesn't matter, I'm going to announce the tax cuts and we're going to worry later, much later, about how they're going to be paid for. Now what's happened is the markets have freaked out, they've pressurised the government to bring forward its explanation as to how they're going to be paid for to the 31st of October. I spoke to a, a Tory MP earlier today who was saying that the very date just defied belief. How could you have a Halloween spending statement? You could just picture the the visualizations of quasi Quartang with a pumpkin on his head and this truss on a broomstick. So they are now thinking this is going to be brought forward, not simply because of the inauspicious date, but because the markets might not necessarily wait until that date. Now there is speculation, the markets have risen today on speculation that the government's going to back down even on the tax cuts. Now, either they might withdraw yet another tax cut as well as the 45p, or they might throw in another their tax rise, as well as the tax cuts to leaving them out a bit. So we're seeing speculation about moving forward the date, and when it comes along, watering down what they do. And then, of course, there are the spending commitments, which I think the government are already struggling politically to work out what on earth they would do.
0: I think one of the problems for the government is that the markets are now, as Fraser says, the markets are now pricing on a U-turn. So if the government doesn't U-turn, it's going to face a market backlash. So in a way, having let this story run, they've got no, they, they are boxing themselves in still further, because I think if they now don't go through with what the market is now expecting, which is to uh, reverse their cancellation of the uh, corporation tax rise, um, so in other words, let corporation tax go up, then I think there will be a, a further negative market reaction
1: and james it's it's not just the case that, that the markets are starting to, to to lose faith to the extent that they they're sort of hoping that there will be a u turn it's also conservative mps who had a very difficult time at the uh, 1922 committee last night i always sort of measure their um uh, the depths of their despair by how many of them just contact me out of the blue even if i haven't prodded them to tell me about how bad things are and, you know my my whatsapp has been been pretty busy today with uh, long lists, longer than my weekly shop of problems that trust needs to fix. Uh, so, do you think it's reached the point where Conservative MPs have, you know, without a formal vote, lost confidence in this trust?
0: So, I think she's got two problems. The, the first problem is that because she's lost market confidence, she will now have to go further than she would have done originally. To, to reassure them that, you know, the, the, the price of them thinking that her plans are realistic is now greater than it was. The second problem that you saw last night in the 1922 committee is this, is... You've got uh, an operation that isn't working. So one, one Tory MP who is, a, who is a, albeit a critic of this trust said they couldn't believe that the whips hadn't got any supportive questions planted at the 22. So that meant it was kind of negative question after negative question. You have Rob Halfon, uh, who's kind of championed this kind of workers' conservatism, saying that the decision to cut uh, abolish the top rate of tax while not, not doing very much for people on lower incomes had Discredited the whole idea of workers' conservatism, all the progress that we made over the last about 10 years. You had James Cartledge, who is a kind of uh, mild man. I wouldn't say you wouldn't expect him to say boo to a goose, but you would be mildly surprised if he did, saying that you know that the Tory party has to regain fiscal credibility, which is code for you know these tax cuts without any apparent means of paying for them, are you know, won't work. So I think she is getting both political pressure and market pressure to row back. And the great irony is that the OBR now stands here with this, this this all-powerful role, because everyone is waiting to see what it says about whether or not the government's sums add up and whether it is going to lead to debt falling as a percentage of GDP in the medium term. And I thought it was quite telling, again, of a sign of a slight lack of government discipline, that... Liz Truss and Quasi Kwarteng have been on a charm offensive with the OBR. They've been trying to show that they respect the OBR considering there was such a backlash in the markets to the decision not to, not to take them up on their offer of a forecast for the mini budget. So we had that meeting where Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng Judy turned up to talk to the OBR. And then Jacob Rees-Mogg went out last night and tried to machine gun the OBR. And this morning you had Downing Street saying, no, 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 the OBR is one of the most respected bodies institutions in the world. And I think it's like, who is gripping the government and stopping these things from being said? And I think it is a very strange situation where you have, you know, James Cleverly doing the media round this morning, kind of basically refusing to say that there won't be any more U-turns. Quasi Quateng saying, uh, I'm not going to preempt my statement on October 31st. And we haven't changed our minds. And Chloe Smith saying, well, I just can't answer any of these questions because I, basically I'm sure you'll understand. But, you know, essentially like, she she doesn't know.
1: Fraser, what's going on inside the truss operation to make it this dysfunctional? Because normally you have someone at the centre of this, not just the prime minister, but someone working behind the scenes who who pulls all of this together. Does this mean, and you know, we're going back to the the glory days of Boris Johnson when everyone was suggesting he just needed a new team around him. Does she need a new team or is it a little bit more fundamental than that?
2: It's funny, I, um, I saw Jonathan Powell, Tony Blair's former chief of staff at the party last night, and um, the first time I met him, I know just contrasting just how different it is from the Blair era, where Powell, you know, as chief of staff, he had control over the civil service, he ran it with pretty strict discipline, versus the bedlam of the Boris years. Now you'd think that, in the Boris months, sorry, the final months, but you'd think the whole point of getting rid of Boris was to replace bedlam with order, having a sort of slightly more uh, clear idea of who does what. But I'm afraid to say there is already lots of talk about feuding amongst team trusts. There are one group of um, advisors at war with another. There, um, her communications chief is about to go on honeymoon. Word is he won't be coming back from it. And there is, of course, blame on the, on the communication, which I think is unfair. Uh, I think that the if you were to clearly communicate trust's agenda, that would actually make it more alarming rather than less because there are lots of fundamentally unanswered questions. The fundamental point is that the tax cuts she's announced are not enough to get the growth that she talks about. Um, and James mentions the OBR as being the, you know, the, the, the great decider on whether the trust agenda will produce growth or not. But we don't need to wait for it. There are 22 economists tracked by the Treasury, and we at The Spectator have been ringing around these economists asking them what they've done. They might not, they might not have announced it, but have they upgraded or downgraded the growth forecasts for next year? Most of the ones we've spoken to have downgraded their forecasts for next year. So there is no visible tax cut bonus to point to. Now, they might have downgraded them by even more had the tax cuts not happened, because mainly it's the economic headwinds that are getting worse. But nonetheless, Liz Truss has spoken about growth of 2.5%. She, at her conference speech last week, was announcing her three priorities as being growth, growth, and growth. Now, Capital Economics has just released its forecasts for the next wee while. It, it, it was forecasting a recession of 2% from peak to trough. And you're going to get other forecasters, and I suspect the OBR, forecasting a version of that. So this is why I don't think it's fair to blame the operational Roundless Trust for this. I don't think it's bla- fair to blame the communications directors here. The problem is that she had kept a very, very tight circle around her. Like, even... There there are quite senior members of her staff who did not know that the 45p tax cut was coming, and they were really surprised by it and immediately thought about the political problems that would be in selling that message. So if even those senior around her are not let in on what she tends to do, then you can't really blame them for it. And if the growth, growth, growth message has been... um, coupled with a tax cuts package which takes us back to the tax burden of 2021, i.e. last year, then of course it's not going to be very stimulatory. So I think the other problem, which hasn't quite hoved into view yet, is that she has spoken in the language of somebody who has just done major tax cuts and gone taking huge risks to deliver the tax cuts, but as she was admitting to Tory MPs last night, the tax cuts aren't actually that big when you think of the other stealth tax rises she's put in for example the fiscal drag of not raising the income tax threshold along with inflation so I think the the hole she is in looks deeper the clearer the the vision the view that we get. And you're right, Isabel, I mean, there is bedlam around there, that's because there's still often quite a series of who discusses what with whom, and under what circumstances they make U-turns. If a decision does come to U-turn on a tax cut, as we can probably expect, given that both the Foreign Secretary and the Chancellor have refused to rule them out today, then I'm not sure how many people around this trust you will actually consult before going ahead with that um, U-turn.
0: I think if she does use her on corporation tax rise, there is also something else which is just worth bearing in mind which is there is a mandate question here the decision not to increase corporation tax was not like the 45 abolition of the 45p rate something that 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 was in track with the ideological direction of the campaign but never explicitly sent spelt out this was one of her central campaign pledges in that leadership election and i think that you know for her to back off that which i i personally think would be the sensible thing to do right now but there is a a clear political problem when you ran for that and made that one of the centerpieces of your your leadership bit.
2: I'm mindful, you know, in this podcast, normally we have a variety of opinions. Um, we need to find somebody who is really in favor of what this trust is doing. Is anyone out, uh, out there? Anyone an MP- who
1: listens to Coffee House Shots who wants to come on, you can come and join us and have some below par coffee with us while you talk <laughs> about it.
2: I spoke to an MP today who reckons there are now probably 10 MPs who remain supportive of what she's doing in a parliament of 356 Tory MPs. Now, that might be a bit grim, but I think this does actually reflect the way that even those who supported her, I remember almost a third of the party did back her, and they've been very, very quiet recently. And that's simply because the you can, you can believe in what she says, but tax cuts spur growth. But you can also be I'm very unsure that she has actually delivered the tax cuts necessary to to get growth. So I think, I'm not quite sure where things go from here. This is the big question. I mean, does she stay as leader for the next 18 months? Do the Tories try to foist their fifth prime minister on a country in six years? Don't you think, James, three leaders in one year would be a bit much, even by Tory standards?
0: Uh, I think that there is a there is there is I think it it has become a cliche to say this right, but there are now no good options for Tory MPs. Obviously, changing leader again would make them look ridiculous. But when you're twenty odd points behind in the polls, it also does suggest that keeping on that same course isn't going to lead to any good result. So I think the problem they've got is they, they is that they are you know they are in a situation where there are no good options for them, and they need to work out which the least worst is. Right.
2: From where you're talking, James, it doesn't sound like you would think a third leader by Christmas would be that bad.
0: I, I think it, I think they would look ridiculous. I think the question is whether looking ridiculous is worse than continuing on this course, given the the clear danger. I think you wrote a very interesting column about this, about Ian Duncan Smith, about that you know in your first hundred days, that is when the public gained their impression of you and i think the danger for liz Truss is that at the moment we are we aren't we haven't the first hundred days is not up to be fair but at the moment the impression is not a particularly positive one i don't think but i but i actually think personally that it's not until after october the 31st when the fiscal statement comes if it if it comes on october the 31st i mean i think until then i i, I think all of this kind of conversation are very very premature
1: Thank you, James. Thank you, Fraser. And thank you for listening.